welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the executive editor and chief critic, joined by Ann Thompson, our editor at large. We're coming to you from my condo space at the Telluride Film Festival, where we're gasping for air and trying to figure out if we're wearing the right clothes for the ever-changing mountain weather. But it's the first day in town, Ann, and uh, we have the lineup, which has been under wraps for the last week and change. And while we've known about some stuff, that's uh, been in the lineup for longer than that. We played ball and, and kept those secrets, but now we can really dig into it. Absolutely. So let's do it. So one thing that strikes me just off the top of my head is that there's a lot of Netflix and Amazon here. And Netflix has been coming here for a while. Right. Because but it's, of but, Nation, that's yeah, a big deal. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that, it's it's really more than, you know, you just notice that, that, that there's the report, which is, of course the Sundance title that Adam Driver and Annette Bening are so good in from Scott Burns. And then and then you have the Aeronauts. Which I think is a bit of a surprise. I don't Agreed. think we were really expecting to see a, a kind of a... A family, family adventure with balloons, <laughs> air, period. Air balloons in the, in the it, 19th century. It's apparently very beautifully made right. and, and quite gorgeous. And, and of course, it's Eddie Redmayne and uh, the great Felicity Jones reunited after Theory of Everything. So the thing with that movie, too, is it's like one of the things about Telluride that's interesting is that, yes, it's a very tightly curated festival, but it's also a festival that plays to a generally an older audience. It wants to see, you know, fun, kind of exciting movies, not just the really dark and twisted stuff, for example. Like, for every act of killing, you do get something that's maybe a little bit more, quote-unquote, accessible. And so... A movie like Aronoff perhaps is not as much of a surprise. There's a family audience here. Yeah. I mean, what's I mean, the, if you were to characterize this audience besides all the industry people who are many, and I came in on the industry shuttle from Burbank uh, this morning with uh, Werner Herzog, who has a documentary here, the usual and uh, Drew. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Dro Mora, who's an Israeli documentary filmmaker who has a movie called The Human Factor and here. Yeah, the Gatekeepers. And he had that a few years back. back. And then um, there was also, oddly, I still haven't figured out um, why, uh, <laughs> the Randy Newman was on our flight. Oh, because he did the music in Noah Baumbach's marriage story. Is that, you would know you since go. you've already seen it. <laughs> I have. So there's, a, there's a large group of people here in uh, Telluride commiserating with each other that Eric got to see it before we did. But um, now everybody's seen it in Venice, too. I mean, the other thing that, that, that's kind of funny about coming to Telluride is you have uh, the other the other crowd that you didn't quite get into is that, that cozier kind of local audience or the people who have been coming here for years who are like non-industry and they don't have a relationship to anything really outside of Telluride when it comes to the whole ecosystem that we're dealing with here but for us we're kind of in Telluride mode while Venice is underway and it's like there's this much bigger narrative that's going on so some movies are arriving here after Venice like Marriage Story which got this huge reaction before Telluride even Well the reviews broke today. Right so everybody's loving that over there whereas there are other movies that are here that are really going to need Telluride to be their platform. Well, Ford versus Ferrari is the one. That's, that's, the, big one. that's the big one, which we're probably going to see tomorrow afternoon at the patrons' screening. We're both going to rush to our local uh, Wi-Fi-friendly place and, and write it up. Uh, you'll be writing the review. I'll be writing the assessment of, of you know, what it is in and terms of the market. And that's just here in Toronto, but so is Uncut Gems, which is showing later in the night and very different kind of movie. But I think it's kind of fascinating that it does have two slots 
on the first night of Telluride. So, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who want to read Eric Cohn's review fresh off uh, the computer, <laughs> it will be breaking at about 3 a.m. You never know. <laughs> I could be faster than that. I mean, it depends on the level of excitement. But I do think it's kind of cool when filmmakers like that come to a festival like Telluride that does, for better or worse, tend to be sort of stereotyped as like the, the older uh, white moviegoers uh, festival and, and, you know, relative to some of the other, you know, cinephile-oriented places can have something that is maybe a little edgy and jarring to audiences and, and that can also play well here. Fingers crossed. But that first day is really busy with stuff. You also oh, yeah. Then there's my, I'm going to, you're going to Uncut Gems, which of course I am eager to see because I hear good things about Adam Sandler's performance. He plays a jeweler in uh, the, gar, you know, in the, in the, in, in the, diamond, in the diamond district in New York. On, I used to live around there. 49, yeah. I used to go Still to work there. around there, 49th <laughs> Street. Um, so he's basically, that's an interesting character role for him. And I'm curious to see um, what, what he does with it. Um, and, but, but the, Motherless Brooklyn, based on a big book. Uh, Edward Norton playing a guy with Tourette syndrome, and he directed it. And, directed it, and Bruce Willis is in it, and Alec and Baldwin, Alec Baldwin's in it. Yeah. I mean, I'm curious about that. I, I read the book last week, Jonathan Lethman's novel, which is from a number of years ago, and it's kind of this interesting neo noir of sorts, uh, which takes place in, in modern times. But it has a Dashiell Hammett quality, and so Norton supposedly put it in the era that it seems more like in the book, which is the 50s. Uh, I'm very interested to see how a movie like that plays in in the context of this festival where it's like if something's really great, it it can be a huge launch pad. But if it's just sort of, yeah, it's okay, in a very busy season, we move on. And you look at that busy first day... Well, the other thing that we're overlooking is uh, Judy. Uh, Yes. So Renee Zellweger is one of the two tributes right and the other so Big judy slot. goes with that the rupert gould uh movie about the late years of judy garland's life and renee zelliger seems perfect she can sing she can dance she can act all of that all the i've heard the performance too. is great and it's been what six years or something like well, she that had, she had she had a big netflix show that did yeah, well the show. yeah but, but it's been a long time since we had a reason to act to celebrate yeah. her what if it was show. called what yeah, if what if was it yeah which i liked that. a lot actually yeah and then, so i actually really like the the name i haven't seen the musical it's based on but end of the rainbow is such a great i love rainbow, that I, yeah and, and I'm, 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 I'm the movie. The expectations I think are not. You know, well, we don't know. It's roadside, you know. So they got it early, and uh, they it, when they have a good movie like uh, the Glenn Close movie, Albert Knobs, or right. Beautiful, or um, the Jennifer Lawrence Winter's Bone, they do very well I with like it. One of three of the movies you just listed, <laughs> so that's worth. They're Academy movies. What can I tell you? What yeah, can I, mean, I say? The thing is, Judy, even if Judy's not a masterpiece, if it's just fine and she's great, then the Telluride tribute thing works. It's magic, right? That's well, sort of the again, it's another one of these launch pads you were talking but about. Adam Driver and then one he is gets one. Powerful. I mean, the fact that they're showing both, uh, they're showing two They're movies. showing not only the report, but Marriage Story. Marriage Story, and, you know, he's got the third Star Wars movie coming up in December, so it's like this perfect storm of kind of making the case that he's this major actor, even though it's a tribute to a younger guy. Well, so. well, we were looking on the plane at the Telluride Watch, and they did a, a, a little interview with him where Michael Shannon interviewed him, and uh, they were both being sort of, uh, you know, back-thumping actors. What do you expect? But um, the 
filmography is pretty impressive for someone so young. It is true. And, and the thing is... He's, he's worked been, with the Coens. He's worked, yeah. uh, you know, with he's Lena better, Dunham, he's obviously. A, he's a better actor than he is an interviewer. He's worked with Jim Jarmusch. He's the kind of guy where it's like you can tell he's like really head down into the process. And you look at the roles and it's very clear that he's the way he's worked with people and the different kinds of people that he's worked with. You know, it sort of suggests somebody who's been very meticulous in how he's sort of approached becoming no question. a movie star. No question. And, he, and Mary he's great. not approaching becoming a movie star. He is one. He's working hard with the right people in the right and getting the right roles. And he's so good that he keeps getting the best stuff. I will say and that. he's lucky in that regard that he that he's able to um, be one of the best working actors we have right now, but not playing the game. He doesn't appear to be playing the game. Yeah. Now, you don't say no to Star Wars. It's, it's, it's a, it's a that funny you don't thing. say it's no to. It's a funny to. thing, though, because it's like he's back on the campaign trail and he's going to have to do a lot That of is a good question. I don't know how much he'll do. That'll, <laughs> be, that'll be interesting. I, 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 I do think that once you see Marriage Story, we should talk about this more. Scarlett Johansson would have been a great tribute, too. I mean, she's never been nominated. He's she nominated last year. is a movie star. A major Great. movie star, and she's, she's underestimated. And when she was younger, when she was just getting started with Ghost World and, yeah. and Horse like Whisperer and movies like that, she was great. And then she turned into this commercial entity and right. ended up doing a lot of bigger movies. Yeah. And, and she, ended and up in was, the Marvel world. She was, but she's been at this game. She's a very, very good actress. Twice as long as, as driving. And she elevates bad material also. Yeah. No, exactly. So the other one that the, the, the other there are two acquisitions titles, or you could argue movies that we haven't heard much about that haven't been hyped, that nobody has a few people have seen screenings, but we haven't seen yet. And one is the assistant, which is basically loosely based on Harvey Weinstein, and it's about the woman who sits outside his office. Played by Julia Garner of Ozark fame, and it's directed by Kitty Green, who's made some really. Do you know her? Well, yeah, she did this movie a couple years ago that was very Errol Morris like about uh, about an unsolved murder, basically. And um, she she's sort of she's more in the kind of Robert Green, the true false kind of fil- filmmaker arena of people who who make nonfiction movies that are sort of outside of you know, conventional approaches. So, so it's one of those things where a documentary filmmaker is taking a step into a narrative context and you never really know how that might go. So apparently she started re- working on it as though it were, it were Harvey Weinstein and then she backed off and made it more of a generic thing. So I think from what I understand, the, 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 the concept is that you don't see him, you right. hear him, you're outside the office and door he's not and she's managing right. him. And I think the thing about that is it's like his Lina, life, his Lina work. Garner is a great actor. I love her. Anybody who's seen Ozarks, but the thing is, it's the question with a movie like that, that I would have is, you know, is the Harvey Weinstein story something that people? I mean, even the movie's great. Is it? Is it a commercial? Well, it's movie a me too. It it's a me too thing that that can be right. uh, understood by many I, people. I right. think, but but apparently, it's really about how the workplace actually enables um, people like this, and and how women uh, who work in this universe. Um, how they're kept down. And, and just to close the loop, I, the, the film, I couldn't remember the name of it, but it's worth checking out, Casting John Binet. It's the documentary. That That's her. Made. All right, yeah, so this was so. the one that James Seamus mm-hmm. produced. Yeah, exactly. So Because so, he something. produced that. Which is intriguing. So, in yeah, way. indeed. So, there's indeed. something there. And there's, <laughs> so what's the other acquisition? The title? other acquisition title is uh, 
Learbird or Lyrebird, I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, And the reason I'm interested in that is that it stars the star of the square, Klaus Bang, who I I like a lot. And um, oh, would you stop? (laughs) And and uh, you must have you know, it's an art world thriller, European. You know, it sounds perfect. It sounds fun. Um, and and Ryan Warner is hyping it. He thinks it's good, so we'll it's see. Not like somebody's paying him to say that. <laughs> it's just a publicist. <laughs> but, but, and then know. the other tribute is Philip Kaufman, who of course is very close with Tom Luddy, this and and part of the San Francisco Bay Area. Warner Herzog community. is here as usual because he basically owns this place. He's got a theory it's a deal. They have a deal. He has to come with one of his movies every year. Ken Burns is coming yeah, with so, one of his also that. the country music so, series. So Burns has fourteen hours yeah but he's only showing i think two episodes or one episode. and then the other long thing that is here i didn't know it was going to be here mark cousins, mark cousins woman's got some, picture some of, of it's, yeah four things. four Ken episodes Burns brother has a documentary here about oliver <laughs> sacks and herzog did this thing called nomad about the writer bruce chatwin which actually that i'd like to see you know, yeah the, the other one that's showing is the japanese one from Cannes, which right. i saw Andy already Romance, yeah it's okay it's okay it's okay but it's it's always fun to have these people here honestly because they're also going to other people's movies and kind of in getting a dialogue about them and maybe they'll be inspired to support a film that could use that so that's always interesting to see too sure and then tell me who i am is an interesting one it's a netflix documentary directed by a short documentary maker named ed perkins so this is his feature debut and it's an amazing story about these two brothers who at age 18 one of them is in a motorcycle crash and he loses his memory completely loses it, complete amnesiac. And in the hospital room, he looks up, sees one person he recognizes, his twin brother, and everything else he's forgotten. So it sounds a bit like last year's period Uncle Strangers in this kind of conspiratorial plot about twins and what they can do to each other and how they relate to each other and there's something about it's about filling in yeah that's true and and they're they're filling in the gaps and how did they do that and what did they you know it's a it's a it's a fascinating uh story i'm curious to see how it's received and then um a hidden life of course, was in Cannes, so that's Terrence Malick's movie, which I really want to see how it's responded to here. This is a case of a movie that I loved, that Fox Searchlight loved enough to spend $14 million on, and they're launching it into the um, fall it's season. It's always a questionable price tag, no matter how much they love the I know, price. I know. But I, but I do think it will play very well. And they're under well. extra pressure now that they're at Disney to perform. I think Hidden Life, the question for me is how many people want to see Hidden Life outside of a very controlled context like this. I don't think Telluride is really going to tell us anything new about it. Oh, if the audiences pretty, respond to it, they will respond they, to it. The, I think this they audience, will. This this audience gorgeous, is going to respond to it. movie with a strong... It, wonderful kind of actors, strong moral element, incredibly... Up, it, it is so resonant right now because it's about a guy who stands up to Hill, to the idea of even agreeing to fight for Hitler. and And he's ostracized completely by his community he's a farmer say, of the of the of the hitler themed movies this fall I'm, I'm i'm personally more excited for jojo rabbit but that's not here that's a whole other thing yeah, interestingly yeah, that is life. not in new york and it's not here and it's not in venice it's going world premiere in toronto well i do i don't know and i don't know what that means i don't know what it means either but if i were to speculate i would say that toronto does do the legwork to try to get some big premieres 
And there was a whole thing with Telluride. You know, Telluride used to get those surprise premieres, like 12 Years a Slave, that was supposed to start its life in Toronto, and they didn't like that. And then Moonlight, they weren't thrilled that that kind of started in Telluride, but they really worked, you could tell, to own the narrative. I believe very, exactly. I believe very strongly. No, they did, apparently. And Searchlight decided this was the way to go. And they want that audience prize at Toronto more than they want That is a good incentive. That is a very good incentive, as you know. Green Book did very well at There's Toronto, movie that tipped with a lot and of buzz Star is Born like did well there uh, too. Just Mercy is another one. So, so there there are people who are just really focused on the Toronto thing. But the tell you right, and the other movie. well, all right. So then we have some other Cannes movies. We have Portrait of a Lady on Fire, the the Shyama film. The lesbian romance. That's also a great period lesbian romance. I love this movie. It's so beautiful. I hope France submits it. I love Les Mis too, which is not here. Interestingly, yeah, maybe it was an either or proposition. Who knows? I also like. Why would that be though? That doesn't make any sense. Somebody could play hardball. Some people. Here's what I got in Cannes. In Cannes, this was the one everybody really liked. And Les Mis, which is the one where they literally signed the filmmaker at CAA because it was so riveting and so incredibly, you know, taught and um, percussive. And perhaps a little more on the nose. A little more. That's what some critics seem to think. I thought this was a major, major directing debut. Yeah, I, I don't, but, but I, I will powerful. say, I mean, they, powerful they and riveting and, and per, it, I, I keep using that word. It was edited to a, to a fine tooth comb. It but was I, so forget, I mean, brilliant. Like, both the, these movies are vying for a very important, if one of them is not going to get nominated for the best. One of them isn't going to get submitted. Because it were, exactly. It's between right, those two. Right. Not, it's not like both of them are, are, could get nominated for Best International Film. One of them has to be submitted. So there, there could be something going on here that we don't know about. But I, I could see it. No, I suspect it's, I mean, all we have to do is ask Tom and, and Julie why they didn't <laughs> book Les Mis. I, I think they we're prefer this the one. Um, and then I there's, the, yeah. And then, and then we have uh, the other Cannes movie, Diego Maradona, the right, soccer movie. That which is a seat Capadia, very good. There's this Bill Gates three-part series called Inside Bill's Brain. I feel like I've seen that growing up in Seattle so many times. Davis Guggenheim. Um, Sure, I'll I'll check it out at some point. And then we have uh, The Human Factor, which is really good. Well, Telluride also launches some really... I mean, the Moonlight thing a couple years ago, while I think for me didn't feel like a major discovery because I knew who the filmmaker was, was it, it did become something where it, in Telluride a lot of people discovered a smaller film and it went on to bigger stuff. And there's a movie here called Waves from Trey Schultz who did Cresha and um, It Comes at Night who I think is being positioned by A24 in a similar kind of way because this is this very kind of operatic movie about an African-American family in Florida, less about the plot, more about the mood, and he's a, a filmmaker on the rise, a younger guy, but with a lot of kind of excitement behind him. It's got Sterling K. Brown in it, and a lot of other interesting actors. Curious so to check it out. I think that's the kind of film that you have to keep an eye on, because it's, it's not screening, it's screening up against all this other stuff on the first day, 
But some audience is going to go see that and have a reaction to it. Well, that's what Telluride is all about. It's about the buzz. It's about what people tell each other in line, because everybody has to wait in line for all the movies. It's what people hear is good. You could be on a gondola track. And it can be something that no one's ever heard of. Yeah. And it just takes off, like Wild Tales that year, you remember. Well, Wild Tales is an interesting example, too, because that was was a can didn't win anything at Cannes. We we saw it and liked it then, and it got picked up by Sony Classics. But it, but this was a totally different context for that movie. And it just showed what an audience pleaser it was. That's what it's about. And then First Cow, of course, Kelly Reichert's new movie of Meek's Cutoff fame. Um, I'm curious to see that. Another A24 title. And then Pain yeah. and Glory, which is the can title, which uh, Antonio Banderas I is really good. I'm curious I, to see how audiences respond to that. I, I mean, I think they will like it, but it is it is, um, it is perhaps a, quieter than a lot yeah, of Yeah, it's a subtle, it's, it's very inside, you know, it's very Spanish, very much inside the art world in Spain. I would have thought they You would have to love El Motivar to be interested in yeah, this I mean, movie. Thing. It's like, I thought maybe Antonio Banderas would be a great Telluride tribute but maybe because of the nature of this movie they didn't want to hype it in the same way or something because you know it's it's a it's very subtle but i loved it i think it's one of his his best in a long time and then of course parasite which is the extraordinary uh south korean movie that won the palm door wants to be we keep talking about it but but this is where you go you got to do those fests they got the palm door and now they're at telluride in toronto and they're going to go to new york so they'll be pushing that and then there's the kingmaker which is uh lauren greenfield who we've seen the king of versailles she's she's also, the woman obsessed with wealth. <laughs> so yes, here she is again. So she's doing uh, Amelda Marcos and her shoes and everything else. I can't wait to see this. Uh, that's a Showtime movie. Thing, yes, I think it's the question I have with a lot of this stuff is just how much uh, the, the Oscar game at Telluride has changed in the, over the years. I mean, it seems like we still don't really know what the field is going to look like. And it's hard to say last year they had Roma, you know, in the last few years, they t- their mileage has been pretty good in terms of getting the movie. That's the one, I mean, they didn't have green book, but you know, la- this time last year, we weren't even talking about green book. Cause that was a Toronto green book surprise. broke in Toronto. Right. So the question is, is the, is there a best picture winner or major contender here or we don't have to. I mean, I mean, I, I'm. It's a mystery. I'm actually. I mean, Ford versus Ferrari is one question for me. I could see that, and 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 in Motherless Brooklyn, if it's really good, and, and if Renee Zellweger, the one that is clearly head and shoulders in terms of response right now is Marriage Story. I mean, yeah, that's just I mean, that's a perfect. I think the, acting vehicle for those two people. I think it's really interesting, Marriage Story, because. Um, people know that Noah Baumbach got divorced and it's a personal story for him, quote unquote. Jennifer Jason Lee. Right. But but the thing about it is that it, it, it needs to be seen as, as this bigger kind of accomplishment beyond just another Noah Baumbach kind of character study about dysfunctional family. It needs to be seen as, as truly, you know, his greatest movie. And I think that they're going to really be leaning on that we shall see. It shouldn't but, be. They have to handle the campaign properly. But, it, but I will say, I, I think I think it deserves to be seen that way. It really is fantastic. And so. then we saw in uh, Cannes, we saw The Climb. I love The Climb. I love this that, climb. I, I, and I saw you, the guy, the, the, the director's name is Michael Angelo Cavino. And he's also the star. And it's also this sort of buddy-buddy movie with him and his friend. As you know, I was very high on this movie very early on. And, and I've been asked to do the Q&A at the festival for it. 
And one of the things that I think is really cool about the climb is that nobody saw it coming. Nobody can see, you know, kind of a dopey buddy movie being the kind of movie. That I highly is. recommend it's really this. Well it's done. really funny, it's really like a, engaging, really surprising. It reminded me of Ruben Oslin's filmmaking style. It's more European in a way. It's a dark comedy, even though it's about like... It's a very story. American, though. But it has a buddy It's movie a very almost. guy movie. But the way it's directed... But the women are great in it, too. They're awesome. And the other thing that's that I think... I think it reminds me of when we first discovered the Duplass brothers. Mm-hmm. These are people who can write, who can direct, who can act, who can produce, who can... I could just see these guys having a whole career in uh, in, in television and streaming. With, with the irony, of course... And they're funny. The movie's being released by Sony Pictures Classics, which is, you know, comparatively, you know, old school. They would probably love to see these guys keep making movies for them the way that they've been in the business of automotive art. We'll see what they do. But apparently they're releasing it next year. So that is not, unless you're doing some kind of qualifying thing going to be, you know, an awards contender per se, although it feels kind of like a spirit awards kind of I don't know much about this uh, Australian dream. uh, It's another sports doc. That's a documentary about uh, an Australian football player who kind of like, um, you know, the, the, the woman soccer player, Megan Rapinoe here, uh, was, was, had to contend with a backlash when he was, uh, he got more political. There was a, a racist heckler at a game, and it was a big national story about how he kind of stood up to that. And um, it sounds like, even though it's not a story that for U.S. audiences we necessarily can you know, have a direct relationship to, it could be a movie that really gets people talking. So yeah. Beanpole was one of the movies that played at Cannes that I missed, and I really want to see it. It's, it's, um, I saw the, this filmmaker's, um, this is Kantamir Balagov, I saw his movie Tesnota, which played a few years ago, and it was Closeness excellent. In English, yeah. yeah, and so this is a movie um, set during the siege of, of Leningrad that's focused on the women in the war. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, it, it won. It won a prize in it, Cannes as well, strong. the Frapeski Critics I, I, Prize. I like that the, the you know the smaller foreign films that tend to be at this festival are often where there are the exactly. potential to really get them to an American audience. Although with all the crisis and distribution and everything, sometimes I, I, I get nervous coming to a festival like this. It's like, are we looking at sort of a bubble? It's, it's like this fantasy where people actually go to watch movies and get excited about them. Or can right. it actually create a real... Uh, well, the issue, the issue this year is that these are some of the movies that are presumably going to be playing this fall in um, the theaters around, the art house theaters around the country, which are under duress. Yeah. And the um, there are a lot of movies that didn't perform the way they were expected to this year, from late night to... Book smart. Yeah. Um, and, and there's specific and even and, and, and one of them that didn't do well, Blinded by the Light, which I loved, really seems to have been hurt by yesterday. Right. You have to assume that some very of the similar stuff, movie. You subject some of the movies here that to a formula that works and it'll keep working. Like the Almodovar movie with a nice platform rollout across Sony the Sony Pictures Classics. No brainer. Although work, that's a right? little heady. A but little it, heady. But it's a question. But that should work. The question is for some of this other stuff, you know, it has a lot of a lot writing on it, whether it's a parasite or whether it's... That's uh, going to do great. That's going mean, to... That has such word of mouth that, already. That's what we hope. I mean, Ford versus Ferrari is an example. Now, James Mangold... 
is a Hollywood filmmaker, a writer, director, you know, walk the line, you know, he's gotten his, his actors nominated and, and Logan is the one, the, the one that really was a surprise yeah, character and piece. And it did. It was surprising. So he's, he's, he, he did 310 to Yuma. I mean, he's a really good director. So this is the kind of mid range Hollywood movie that they aren't making. And it's Fox and Disney has ingested Fox. And this is the one that they like that and they're, they're pushing on Telluride to do it. I mean, they're even giving Dolby a, a special medallion for the sound mix. Ah. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, they, they need this movie to be a big deal here. So that it goes out into the world with that kind of aura around it. So the two popes is another Netflix one from Fernando, Fernando Moraes, who was on the on the thing this morning. That you know, it's like Netflix. Is Why? Clickbait. You know, it's like the <laughs> well, way that the. I mean, Marriage Story supposedly Baumbach actually wrote that title himself, but I just said, you know, the king, the two popes, it just. Feels like the king coming. isn't here either, no, by the, the way. Not here, and, and there's probably a reason for that. And uh, but, and and the laundromat isn't here. No, but the two popes. It's like the story of the two popes. You know, I mean, that's well, like, it's click here. There's some dramatic. The, it, first of all, people love good. behind the scenes stuff at, at the Vatican. It's reversing, and here. it's two scene chewers, Jonathan Price and Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. So Hopkins is the one uh, Ratzinger who left. It's written by Anthony McCartan, one of the yeah. one of the big. Uh, he wrote Darkest Hour. He knows what he's doing. Saying. You look anyway. at the algorithm and wonder, you know, what what is it about? Oh, don't say that. I love the people in Netflix and what they do, but I'm just saying, I I, will, I can't wait to see this movie, but it's a prime example of how certain things are made now, and it's very much far removed from all question of will these movies succeed in theaters, because that one doesn't really happen to serve the, the agenda of the people who made it. So we've know. pretty much finished the main um, uh, program, but there are lots of... Uh, documentary programs, classic programs. Well, One of the docs is 63 Up from Michael Apted, who yes. I wrote in with um, on the shuttle. Somehow he's made it that far. Think about that. it, though. He, he, all right, listen, he's done... This is the ninth one. He started with 7-Up, and he's done one every seven years. Followed the same group of people. And I've, I'm, I'm afraid I've grown up with these. Have I remember them. them. No. I, I definitely I didn't see the last one. That's too bad. We should do I, I did a story. We should. We should rank them. Yeah, and we did it. We did a, I did do a story with him. And we, I was, we were talking about this. I was trying to figure it out. Probably around 28 up. I'm pretty sure. Theoretically, that, that's it's such a cool project. But it's one of those things where it's like, at what point do we lose track of the product itself? And, and the, the, you know project becomes more exciting. One thing yeah. I learned from him, which is sort of interesting, is that he, uh, Richard Linklater did show him Boyhood, and it was uh, Michael Apted's advice to Richard Linklater that he should keep doing it. Well, he was wrong, because that movie works great the way it is. But it's not saying there's anything wrong with the movie that he made. And the Linda Ronstadt movie's here, so I do want to see that. So I'm looking forward to kind of finding time in between all this stuff just to wander around a bit, talk to people who are here, whether it's the talent or the industry people and stuff, because I like how Telluride just, it, it kind of brings out the more kind of authentic side of people as they kind of wander around the town or they're at these quiet dinners or whatever it is. It just feels like at Toronto, we're not going to get that kind of access. So I feel like in the next three, four days, we're going to have a lot more to talk about. We got to run to dinner because I'm starving. Me too. But let's get into it. And um, next week, we'll have a whole lot more to talk about as we get into Toronto. So let's do it, Anne. You've got it, Eric. <laughs> <laughs>